Welcome to the Catholic Brides Podcast. My name is Anne, and I would like to welcome you to my show. On this podcast, we will be talking about what it means to be a Catholic bride, how to prepare for marriage, and how to walk with your spouse towards heaven. I'm excited that you're here, and I invite you to grab your favorite drink, settle in, and let's have a heart-to-heart about what it means to be a Catholic bride in today's world. Welcome back, everybody, to the Catholic Brides podcast. Today, I'm joined by Regina Boyd from Boyd Counseling Services, and she's here to talk a little bit about her story as a counselor and also a little bit more about authentic connection in your marriage. And welcome to the show, Regina. Thank you so much for having me, Anne. I'm really excited. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Why don't we start by having you just tell us a little bit about yourself, about what you do, um, and that sort of thing. Yeah, so like you mentioned, I'm a licensed mental health counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, and um, I have a private practice here, and we focus a lot on relationships. So even if I'm working with an individual person, I come from the viewpoint that we all bring our relationships into the room with us and what, and they shape us and they mold us into the people um, that we are. And so I really focus on how to help strengthen relationships, how to improve that connection, um, whether it be a married relationship, parent to child, anything like that, friends, coworkers. Um, So yeah, we're, we're in the relationship business and it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So what are some things I know that in your practice specifically, you focus a lot on authentic connection between like spouses. Could we talk a little bit about what that means? Yeah. So I think we talk about in relationships in particular, um, we talk about the importance of having a strong bond, having a strong connection, but a lot of times we don't take the time to connect on a deep and authentic level? Are we truly being ourselves? Are we truly being vulnerable, opening our heart to our beloved and connecting in a way that is authentic and strong and true to who you are as a person? And so I think when we can do that, when we can connect in that way, it really enhances our relationship, you know, a hundredfold in a certain sense. And so it's all about getting to the real heart of who you are as a person and sharing that with someone else. Mm, For sure. So how does one go about um, building authentic connection? Like, is there some steps that people can take to be able to go through with their significant other to be able to build that? Absolutely. I think the very foundation of it is friendship. And there's lots of things that I think happen over the course of a relationship. I think in those beginning stages, when you meet someone and you're excited and you just have to be with them every hour of the day and you're communicating all day long, it's really easy to build that friendship foundation. Um, You know everything about them. You know what they're doing every moment of the day. And, you know, as soon as they're done with work, you ask them how work was and they tell you about all the work drama that happened that day. I mean, you've just, if you could build a map of your beloved's inner world and everything happening in your life, it's really easy to do that in those beginning stages of a relationship because that's what 
you spend a lot of time doing is collecting data and learning everything you can from a favorite color to, you know, whoever that arch enemy might, might be at work or something. <laughs> and so you, you're in a way we're sort of consumed with our partners and we love every aspect of them and we just can't get enough. And mm-hmm. what happens over time at, um, with a marriage, you know, you can you become more responsible for a lot of things. If you're blessed with children, you're responsible for children and their needs and activities and couples over time forget to keep up with that map of their beloved's world. And so they might have a really clear map of 10 years ago when they first got together, mm-hmm. but as life unfolds, we forget to stop and have those conversations about how are you doing right now and sharing, you know, how am I right now? What are, what are my hopes and dreams now that we're five years into this, 10 years into this, have they changed at all? Have they shifted? Um, now that we've actually achieved some of the dreams and are on our path to achieving some dreams, is there anything new? What more meaning do we want out of our relationship? What is that shared meaning we have? And so I think couples fall into the default mode of talking about to-do lists as the majority of their conversation together, as opposed to getting again to the heart of what's just really going on in your life and what are you happy about? So I think that's the number one thing is being intentional about making sure you have time together and being intentional about the types of conversations you're having when you have, when you are spending time together and getting away from the checklists and really continuing to get to know the person you're with, because that does change over time. For sure. So do you recommend um, couples set aside like a specific, like a date night type thing to be able to have these conversations? Or is this more of something that's kind of organic that you just kind of have to work into it um, as you go through life day to day? Or what is your recommendation for that? I think you can do both. You can do all of the above. I'm a huge fan of date nights. I talk about weekly date nights on a very frequent basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, pre-pandemic, I was pretty um, adamant about it. <laughs> um, post, <laughs> post-pandemic, I've been a little bit more gentle with it, but I, I still think it's so important to set aside that time every week because the problem is we assume we have so much time. And so things get put on the back burner. And so if you were to tell yourself, oh yeah, we can just do it every day in the organic day-to-day, the reality is it doesn't actually happen and we don't make time for it um, because we just assume we have infinite amounts of time. And so I think it's better to, you know, to your own advantage to set aside that time on that date night and say, okay, you know, we're going to have part of our date night is going to be, you know, a 20 minute heart to heart conversation and then whatever activity we might have planned, whether it's a board game, a movie, whatever it is. But um, I think it's really helpful to have those little pulse check-ins once a week. And if you have that time set aside, you're more likely to actually honor it and follow through. So it's like a little trick um, to get yourself to actually do it um, versus hoping one day we'll happen to stumble across having a deep conversation. And that's, you know, the point of being intentional is we really, we really have to set some time and make it, make it a priority. For sure. I like how you said that to kind of make a balance between um, having, setting aside time within your date night to have like that 20 minute heart to heart and then going on and continuing on doing whatever activity um, you have planned. Because I think a lot of people think that during your date night, you're like doing your activity and that conversation is going to flow from that, but which it does obviously, 
but having like a set time to be like, Hey, we're going to have an actual heart to heart and sit down and talk to about this for like 20 minutes can be good and super beneficial. Yeah. And there's actually this really awesome app that I love called, um, card decks. It's by the Gottman Institute. So I'm trained in Gottman couples therapy method and Dr. John Gottman is one of the leading researchers of marriage and family therapy. He's still alive. He's done over 40 years of research. And my favorite um, story that I like to tell about him is that he can watch a couple having a five minute conversation and predict with over 90% accuracy if that relationship will end in divorce. Um, just because of his research. So he's created this app, which is awesome. So it's called um, the card deck. So it's like a digital version of an actual stack of cards. And so you can download it for free. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's in all modes, you know, iPhone, Android, whatever you might have. And they have some of these questions about the love maps, open-ended questions. And so it could be just really easy because sometimes it's hard to think about on the spot. You know, what do I ask? Like, how do, how deep do we get with this? What are we talking about? So it's just kind of nice to have those conversation starter questions um, where you can make it fun, where you take turns answering the question for your beloved, you know, kind of guessing what that might be, like what makes your partner feel most competent? um, What's, their, their favorite time for maybe making love or what is one of their worst fears. And so you draw the card and you would answer what you think your partner's answer would be. And that might be a fun way to just see how well you know each other, just kind of sit back and see how up to date you are on that, all that information. And then that way you don't have to put that pressure on yourself of thinking about, um, you know, what should I say or how should I, how should we have this conversation? For sure. I like how you mentioned that you can kind of use it to guess what the other person is going to say because that facilitates a lot of unique conversations as well, I think. Um, Because if you're just trying to answer it back and forth, it can be kind of awkward to be like, this is the question. Okay, how do I respond? But if somebody is like, this is my perception, then you can answer back and be like, well, actually, this is how I feel about it. And I think feel like it opens up a lot of doors for deeper conversation in that way as well. Absolutely. It is kind of fun because I, I know some couples who get competitive with it, you know, they they want to keep score and see how many they got right, which I don't recommend, but, um, <laughs> you know, everyone has their own personalities and yeah, you can make it whatever is fun for you guys and feels comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of going off of that. What are some of your favorite date nights that you like to do or recommend that couples do together? So I think it has to do with what their interests are. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend a blanket act, you know, activity. So, you know, some people are into sports, some people are into physical activity, you know, hiking, Mm -hmm. biking, some people are into, you know, movies. And so I would really want to ask that couple what they're interested in, what they, what they have in common together, because a lot of times, you know, um, two different people have two, two different ideas of what they think would be fun on a date night. So maybe finding some common ground first, something you both enjoy, or if you really feel like you both have nothing you enjoy, uh, putting ideas that each of you have that you would enjoy into a jar or a cup or something like that. And each week you draw out of that cup at random and that will be your activity. So, or you take turns, maybe one week, one person plans the activity for that week. And then the next week, the other person gets to decide. So whatever it is, um, 
I think the most important thing is that as long as you are spending time together in a way that's going to help you have fun and again, get away from that to do and just spend some carefree time together and just be like you were when you first got together, just spending, just wanting to be in that time, sharing time together in a way that's not concerned about much else happening in the world. So trying to create that environment, recreational sort of environment in as much as possible. For sure. That makes a lot of sense that there wouldn't be like a blanket cover that goes over everybody, but like, we're also unique that finding what works for us. And even if like, it might work for somebody else, but it might not work for us to be able to facilitate conversation and bonding time if it's not something we particularly enjoy. Um, So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money either. I think people put pressure on themselves. Like date night means we have to go to, you know, the three Michelin star restaurant, four star hotel, and, you know, pull up in a ball gown and a limo. And like, (laughs) we don't have to do that. You know, you can just have a picnic in the living room. You can, you know, make some unique recipe that you've never made before um, at your house. You know, it's so, it doesn't have to be this And I think that keeps a lot of people from doing the date night because it feels like an effort, especially if you have kids. Well, that means you got to do babysitter X, Y, Z. And that doesn't always have to be true. You know, you can wait till kids go to bed and try to do something in that time as well. For sure. Um, So I know you mentioned when we first started this interview that you focus a lot on mental health as well. Um, Could we talk a little bit about that specifically in relation to like keeping your mind healthy and good self-care within like a marriage relationship? Ooh, yes. This is a fun question. Um, (laughs) So the way I view it is, you know, a lot of people, I think there's still a stigma out there about mental health. And I just want to shout from the rooftops, you know, that that shouldn't be so. um, And that mental health, at the end of the day, mental health is just health. Um, The same way you go for your annual checkups and your physicals every year, you go to the dentist, we can also be doing mental health checkups and just making sure we're doing okay. And that also gives us an opportunity to possibly talk with somebody if something's affecting us, you know, oh, you know, like say maybe a worldwide pandemic, you know, anything like that, that could be slightly stressful. (laughs) And so the more that we can be in tune with our health in that aspect, uh, the better we're going to be showing up in our relationships. Um, And so think of it as an act of love on behalf of your beloved, that you taking that time to make sure that everything's in order for you is only going to help you be able to show up all the more fully and be even more present and engaged in your relationship. A lot of times when people are experiencing symptoms of anxiety or depression, they're kind of undetectable at first. It just sort of seems like things are a little off or you're just working a little harder, putting a little bit more effort into the tasks that you have to get done for the day. And so people don't pick up on it right away because, you know, they're not necessarily having a panic attack or they're not laying in bed, you know, for 24 hours or something. And the trick is making sure you catch your catch things early enough so that you you know, you don't have to live constantly in this sort of lull, I don't know how to describe it, but just this kind of half self state, you know, we can do Mm -hmm. things about that. And that's kind of what um, 
therapists are here to help you with uh, to live to live more life, a more fully engaged life. Um, so I think, yeah, I just think it's a an act of love for yourself and and for your family. You know, mm-hmm. when you take that time. For sure. So when you say that to um, start pick, when you start picking up on things that might be off in your own life, say you, you're experiencing some sort of um, maybe minor anxiety or something that could be a root of something deeper. What are some things that you could do to kind of help yourself get through that? Like, obviously, if it's severe enough, you're going to go to therapy and talk to somebody about it. Um, but is there things that you can do, like either with your spouse or on your own that could help you to kind of get through some of the, not so much the severe things, but kind of like the day-to-day things that you need to kind of take care of. Yeah. Well, here's the interesting thing that people have a misconception that they think that you have to be like really severe to go to therapy. And I, you know, I don't think that's true. I think that's absolutely the time to go to therapy because they are going, a therapist is going to help you create a plan of how to deal with the day-to-day. And part of that would be coming up with a plan of tracking, you know, what are those moments of the day that are more likely for you to be experiencing symptoms for some people, you know, anxiety shows up right before they go to bed for other people. It might be before they have a meeting with a certain individual at work, you know, it could be a lot of different things to track. So first we need to build some self-awareness around when am I most likely to be experiencing those symptoms And then second, what are my natural default things to take care of that? Um, Some people have healthy coping mechanisms and some people have unhealthy. And so we want to know what you do naturally to take care of that. And are those things actually helping the situation or are they making it worse? Mm -hmm. And then once we're able to figure that out, once you actually have some ways to cope and manage, whether it be breathing, some type of grounding exercise, um, artwork, journaling, um, all kind of regular physical exercise, whether whatever that plan is for you, and once you feel like you're managing it, then that's a great time to include your spouse into that conversation of um, letting them know what those points are of um, for you that are more likely to be a situation that could cause some symptoms, right? So they can be clued in, or maybe you guys have a code word where you let them know, hey, I'm having an anxious moment. I'm having a depressive moment. And once they hear the code word, they know one of two things. That either means I need you, I need you to be with me and help me through this, or two, I need you to get away and give me some space. But it's also a code that, you know, I'm fine. This isn't personal. I'm not taking it out against you. I just need some time to ground myself and get coach, coach myself back into a healthy place. And so there's lots of things that I think that can be done and happen in that. And that's what therapy is so helpful for that. I think a lot of people just assume, you know, oh my gosh, I have to be like, you know, really, really super depressed and never going to work to go to therapy. And, you know, that's not the reality, you know, the sooner you go, the better, and it can really help nip those things in the bud. So for sure. Um, so with that, do you recommend, so you said that the, uh, one of the spouses could be experiencing the symptoms and then they will go to therapy for it and kind of like figure it out on their own. So do you recommend that the, 
one spouse just goes to therapy by themselves first and then they can come together? Or do you think that it's good for them both to go together? Or what is kind of the process um, with therapy that somebody might go through if they're experiencing this? Yeah, I think it depends on the situation. So um, there have been lots of situations where I have worked with couples and there's just this beautiful opportunity to work together on an issue. So symptoms, you know, obviously impact a relationship. So even if only one person is experiencing symptoms, um, that dynamic affects the relationship as a whole, because you have another person who's really loves you and is trying to care for you, but not really sure how. And then we have the other person who's afraid of feeling like a burden and just really maybe possibly embarrassed, you know, all types of things that somebody could be Mm -hmm. experiencing at the time. And so as a couple, that can be helpful to have a space to talk about that and to say what each person's perspective is and experience and how can we as a team sort of combat this um, mental health concern that's sort of infiltrating our relationship? How are we going to fight back against that together? So I think that can be a very beautiful thing. And then there are other times where, you know, some people want prefer to work individually for a while, or maybe they, their spouse might, might not really see a reason for why they would be present. And so I've had situations where, um, you know, somebody works individually, and then maybe we invite their partner into the session, you know, a couple times just to be clued in of here's what we're working on, here's where you can be helpful, and sort of give that opportunity for them to create that plan, you know, of how they're going to live life on their own in the home, you know. So um, Mm -hmm. I think, I think it really can happen any number of ways. It just depends on, you know, what the couple is wanting, what they're experiencing, Um, how severe of an issue it is um, and how much attention it would need depending just depends on a few different things. Mm, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So if somebody is seeking out like a therapist, what is the best way to go about it? Especially for people that are listening to this podcast, they probably would be looking for somebody that's more either Christian or Catholic. Um, So what is the best way to go about finding a therapist? And is there um, a process or like something that we can do to make sure that we're a good fit to work with that specific therapist? Yeah. Um, so I would recommend starting with either your local church, um, your parish, or, um, if you are Catholic, like going to your chancery, your diocese, a lot of dioceses have, um, lists of therapists that they work with and recommend. So that might, and even parishes, you know, have their own individual therapists that they might work with closely. Um, and so I would start there. If you don't have any luck there, um, there are some search engines like catholictherapist.org, um, wellcatholic.com. So you could search, um, via your zip code and look up profiles of different therapists Um, and let's see. Yeah. And then once you maybe find someone, I would say, you know, go, go all out, go all out and do your research, um, look up their website, look up their professional, um, Facebook and pages, social media pages, whatever they might have available, maybe a YouTube channel, really get a feel for, um, that person. And if you could see yourself making a good connection with them, And then after that, you know, making some phone calls, doing an interview, I say, don't, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket and just 
rely on one person, maybe call a handful of people and ask them questions about their experience working with whatever that concern is that you have. You know, have you worked with other people in this situation? Um, how many years of experience do you have? You know, whatever it is, um, those questions that would make you feel comfortable um, and definitely open up about your faith as well. Say, you know, my faith is, you know, a really important aspect. Is there any way that we could incorporate that into the session somehow and, and just see what they say? Um, and because I think that's the number one predictor of success in therapy is the relationship between a client and their therapist. And so the more that you're going to feel confident and like that's somebody that you actually could have a good connection with, the better chances you are to have a positive outcome for that experience. So those would be a couple places I would start. And would you say that I know a lot of people have the fear that if they start with one person and that's not a good fit, they have a fear of leaving that person and finding somebody else. Would you say that that is an okay thing to do if you start with somebody that it's okay if you realize it's not a good fit to move on and find somebody else? Absolutely. I mean, again, it's, it's not going to be a good outcome for you if you're not feeling like it's a good fit or the, I would say, absolutely, you should go to whoever you want. However, I would also try to bring it up to your therapist first, because sometimes we have a tendency accidentally to get a little one-track minded. And so we might think um, that we have this really great idea and something we get excited about. Maybe we read a new research article and we're like excited and we want to share it. And, um, you know, we, we might not be picking up on the fact that our clients are saying, hey, this isn't me, this isn't my personality, this doesn't really fit, I'm, or I'm uncomfortable, or I didn't appreciate the way you worded that. And so I would say, you know, let them know first, because sometimes it can be very easily corrected type of situation where uh, they would just apologize, say, oh my gosh, you're right, I'm sorry, and you guys can move on and, and grow from that experience together. Um, but other times, you know, there's definitely situations where even after a conversation like that, you know, you still might not be seeing the changes you want to see or getting what you want to get out of therapy. And absolutely, I mean, it's a big time investment. It's a financial investment. And so you should be happy with um, how things are going. It should be something that you feel like you are getting help from. And if, if you're not, and if you're unhappy, I mean, you got to find, you got to find that person who's the right fit. It's a little bit of a pain to have to start over again with someone, but in the end, it will definitely be worth it. Mm, That makes so much sense. Um, One final question I have for you that's not really related to any of that, but is something that I ask for all of my guests is what is your favorite Bible verse and passage and why? Oh my gosh, I can only choose one. (laughs) (laughs) That's a tough one. Um, So probably, oh gosh, I have like three running in my head right now. So probably the one that I'm is coming to mind right now is probably perfect love casts out all fear in first John. And mm-hmm. I just really love that verse because um, we know that God's love is a perfect love. And so there's nothing to be afraid of when we're in relationship with him and following him, he only wants what's good and what's best for us. But I also love it when you think about couples. Um, And so when we can love each other with that perfect love, when we can allow the Holy Spirit to change us, to shape our hearts and to love our partners with that 
with God's perfect love. I mean, it's kind of unstoppable, the witness and the testimony that is to God's love. So Mm. I'll go with that one. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. Um, So if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you online? Uh, My website is reginaboyd.com and I'm on Facebook at Regina Boyd LMHC and Instagram at Boyd Counseling Services. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for having me, Anne. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And thank you everybody for tuning in today. And I will see you again on the next episode. And God bless you. You have been listening to the Catholic Brides podcast. If you enjoyed this content, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast. If you would like to get in touch with me, I invite you to either message me on Instagram or send me an email at catholicbrides at gmail.com. I look forward to having you join me again, and I look forward to connecting with you in the future. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful and blessed day.